said in Revelation where the saints are become by the blood of the Lamb, the word of their testimony, and they love not their life even unto death. And I thought, you know, that really kind of in a nutshell says the three areas. You know, Rick mentioned one of them. They overcame by the blood of the Lamb. This whole arena of salvation. Rick's talking about grace for salvation. And so they overcame one by the fact that they were in Christ, you know, by the blood, by submitting to the Lord Jesus Christ. But it wasn't a one-off deal. It didn't stop right there. There's the ongoing overcoming that comes by the word of their testimony. It's an ongoing place in the world where we continually talk about the Lord and what he's done for us. And there's the testimony that overcomes both Satan and this world system. And they love not their life, even unto death. And so this exposes that place in their heart that says yes to God. And that yes to God was kind of the first takeaway in all of this that I felt like the Lord put on my heart. Because as I began to consider this, the first thing that I felt like the Lord put in my heart was this phrase that Mike Bickle is very fond of. He used to talk regularly about uh, a people that have a yes in their heart to God. Or, you know, if he was preaching on David, he would say, you know, David was a man that had this yes, this resonant yes in his heart to God. And I really felt like this got to one of the cruxes of what it takes to overcome the world is that in the tribulation of the world, our heart is not embittered towards God, but instead our heart continually says yes to God. It's that soft place towards God. And, um, you know, as I considered that, I thought about the Lord Jesus himself and how he responded to all the trials that he went through. And it never embittered him towards his father. His heart was continually in that soft place of seeking his father. We saw him angry once that scripture records. And it was because his father's house was dishonored. And so you see again that his heart was all about his God, his father. And um, so, you know, then the question is as well, how do we keep from being embittered towards God? You know. If that's, if that's the crux of what it takes to overcome the world, then, you know, how do, we, how do we get there? How do we achieve it? How do we walk in that? And uh, this is where the grace part comes in, I believe. And, you know, obviously I'm not going to teach on grace. Rick is doing a masterful job. But I want to connect the dots. And, you know, we talk about grace being um, that from God that enables us to do something that we can't do in our own strength. You know, something impossible that we just can't achieve on our own. And, you know, I thought about the swivel chair that, you know, is taught here in, in Dwelling Place and how there's that place in the middle, in the triune makeup of, of humanity that acts as the arbitrator between the flesh and the spirit. And this is the part, the place, the part of the human spirit that goes, or human soul that says yes to God. It turns and it says yes to the spirit. 
And grace is that thing from God, that free thing from God, that allows our will to continually say yes. Without it, without it, I don't know that we're able to say yes. With the grace of God, with the freely given grace of God, our heart is set free. We have a choice at that point. And, um, you know, God's all about having free will. He wants people that freely say yes. So he extends his grace. Our will is set free to be able to choose. And when we choose to say yes to God, we overcome the world. So I believe that this is the way that our spirit is able not to become embittered as that if we say yes to God in his grace by the power of his spirit. So there are practical ways, I think, that people find to say yes to God. And, you know, I wish, you know, uh, when Ingrid was sharing, there was a very uh, straightforward path. There was the place of need, there was the prayer, the response of her heart, and you got to see the answer. However, in this battle that we have to overcome the world, it's not a one-off deal. It's an ongoing thing. And so the testimony is not as one and done, uh, I don't believe. And so, um, you know, when I get the opportunity to stand up to my feet, there will be a place of testimony of saying this was the battle that was won and, you know, we'll get to see the grace of God in that. But in the chair, the battle is still being won. Yeah, that's right. You know, and what, as I talk to folks, I begin to realize that the way that the grace of God's appropriated is really as individual as the people that walk this earth. You know, when I talked to my dad, who lost his wife, my mom, a little over a year ago, you know, he said the thing that allowed him to win over that battle was a perspective of saying, thank you, God, for the 56 plus years that I had with my wife. Rather than looking at the loss, it was that perspective of saying, well, yes, I've experienced great loss. But the reason I've experienced such great loss is because I had 56 years. And thank you, God, that you blessed me with 56 years. Okay? And, you know, Gene and I have gone through exactly the same situation. And yet how she has responded to it and where she finds the grace of God is very, very differently different than how I find it. And so for her, it comes in that little love language that she and God has that prophetic love language where God would drop little I love you's before her prophetically. And she would experience that, that place of warmth in the battle. She would find places of strategy from the Lord. And, um, and this was the place of grace for her that allowed her to win and overcome, you know, month by month and year after year. But for me... It was really primarily a place of perspective for me. Um, you know, God reminds me that this is not my home. I have a hope, a future hope, and it's better than this by far, you know. 
and to not set my heart here. And so overcoming is not just standing up and walking and getting free of pain and getting bowel and bladder back and, you know, all the, the various things that go with this. It's, it's that my hope is there. And I have a kingdom waiting for me that I'm part of now, but I don't see the fullness of. And another perspective is that I look around and I see Amy Belshan, and I see Maya Thompson, and I see Annabelle, and I see Sharon, and so many more. And I say, you know, the fact is, they're struggling today too. They might be struggling more than I am. And, you know, that turns us in compassion. We begin to find the Lord's compassion in that. And we, our heart is turned towards God as we begin to pour out for them. And the pity party's gone for me because of them. And so that's another place of perspective that's helped me where I found the grace of God in overcoming this world and its tribulations. Amen. Thank you. real dude you know uh, I've been we've been pursuing uh, revelation about healing I tell you what you know the place I go to get revelation about healing I go talk to Jim Abel that's where I go because I know there's revelation there it's real stuff uh, when he was speaking the Lord I just heard the Lord just say what he's talking about Jim was talking about overcoming you know he's talking about overcoming the world in fact that's the real big overcoming part and I love what Jim was saying. This is how I heard the Lord says, the world seeks to define who God is. The world seeks to define who we are in relationship to the environments and circumstance we're in. Like Jim, what Jim, what Jim's saying, the world's trying to define Jim's in a wheelchair that he's crippled. That's what the world would say. No, I'm going to tell you this. Jim's an overcomer. He's an overcomer. Now, you want to get overcome, I mean, you stick around with him on a job site in that wheelchair. Dude, he scared a snot out of me. <laughs> he goes place in a wheelchair that I think twice about, maybe going about my feet. But come here, Sharon. Where's Sharon? Talking about another woman of God, woman of faith. I just thank God for Sharon and the inspiration she's been to me in this body. And uh, overcoming with a woman of faith. I, when I was thinking about grace for healing, I was thinking about back when Catherine, our daughter, was a little girl, um, she and a neighborhood friend of hers decided to have a, um, an archaeological dig in our backyard. <laughs> and I had visions of <laughs> holes everywhere. <clears throat> but I, we sectioned off a corner in the far back part of our yard, and, and she and her friend, um, they just had so much fun. <laughs> Digging and digging and digging, looking for things. And then the amazing thing was they started to find things <laughs> in that one little area. And <clears throat> what they found was um, old hand-forged nails and pieces of brick and pieces of pottery and pieces of china. And, I mean, they were so excited. 
And we found out later that there was a huge farmhouse not very far from there originally, and it was gone now, or then. And so that's where they, I guess, where the stuff had come from. And I started thinking about that this week and thinking about, um, you know, why is it that searching for things like scavenger hunts is so intriguing? And I started thinking that really it comes from a God-given desire. And it reminded me of a couple scriptures, um, Proverbs 2, treasure the word and search for the wisdom in it. And Proverbs 3, do not forget my teaching, but let your heart hold on to it. For length of days and years of life and peace they will add to you. And I'm going to share part of my testimony, and I wrote here, talk fast. <laughs> so I'm going to try to talk fast. Um, I was born without all the, uh, several of the antibodies needed to fight bacterial infection. And fast forward to 2007, um, the infusions, I had to take monthly infusions, and I started having life-threatening reactions to that. And so, and, and the infusions only replaced part of that particular kind of antibody. And so um, then in 2009, I had almost run out of antibiotics that I could take. I mean, I had taken so many my whole life. And um, then the doctor said to me, I don't know what else to do for you. So it was pretty hopeless. And then um, at that point, my health started to decline a lot. And I had flu-like symptoms for a whole year. I mean, it was just really bad. And um, in 2010, very, very suddenly, um, I got much, much worse. And the ER doctor had little hope. I mean, really, they thought that was probably the end. And as the test results started coming back, um, it showed that I had strep, which I didn't even know I had, and it had gone into my bloodstream. And um, my lungs were so full of infection, I didn't even know I had you know, pneumonia. But my lungs were so full that they couldn't even see airspace in the CAT scan. Um, so in the physical realm, there was no hope but God. <laughs> I mean, five days after I was admitted to the hospital, I was released. And um, the blood infection was gone. But that doesn't happen. <laughs> and in fact, 80% um, of people who have an immune deficiency die from blood infection. Um, the pneumonia was gone after two days. I didn't even go through the coughing. I didn't, it was just gone. And I mean, nobody could explain it. <laughs> I could. <laughs> um, and strep, I mean, you, all mothers know that everybody says, if you get strep, you know, it can cause problems with your um, organs. You know, you have to really be aggressive. Um, I had no permanent damage. <laughs> from the strap. I mean, it's really neat. Um, my mouth is really dry. <laughs> um, several months prior to this, I had, um, well, I, what I started to say before that is, thank you, Bev. <laughs>
um, several months prior to this, well, I was going to say, I was very, very weak, but I was alive, and that was just, praise God. <laughs> um, but several months prior to that, I had been saturating myself with God's word, and, you know, the situation had been coming, becoming more and more dire, and I was desperate, <laughs> but not desperate because I knew where to go, you know? I mean, I knew that I could go to run to the Lord, and so I had, I mean, I literally, I had a CD that um, had a hundred healing scriptures on it, and I would... I put it on my MP3 player, or Ned did, and, and, and I listened to it day and night. I mean, I, I literally, if I would wake up in the middle of the night, I would put it on and listen, because in the middle of the night, if you're laying there and you can't go to sleep, it's a really bad, I mean, an opportunity for the enemy, and I, I didn't want to go there. So I just listened to these scriptures all the time if I was doing anything. Um, I had my headphones on, and... If negative thoughts would come, I would, I would, the, the enemy, the enemy would be saying, you know, you're not going to make it, this isn't working, you know, you're going to die, just all these thoughts. And I would literally, I'll talk about this wheelchair, I would literally turn and say, God, I thank you that your word says that by your stripes I am healed. And I thank you that you, are, you have made me an overcomer. And I just would speak all the truth that had been, you know, that I had been collecting in my heart. And I would have to do that a lot because the thoughts would come a lot. And I wasn't doing that to make God move. I was doing that because I needed to remo renew my mind and get rid of any unbelief that was there. And... Um, if you've lived with something for years or for your whole life, you don't realize how much unbelief is in there. And I had been a Christian since I was seven, and, and I knew God, and I knew his love, but there was stuff that I had to get rid of. And so as my mind started to be renewed um, with the truth, healing started to come, and it's still coming. And... I just recently had um, test re I mean, tests to see what my antibody levels were, and you think I'm going to say that they're normal, <laughs> but they're not. I mean, they're still low, but um, two doctors separately said um, the test results don't match what we see happening. They said, whatever you're doing, keep doing it, and these were not Christians, <laughs> you know, so it's just so powerful. And, I, you know, God's word is really grace for healing. It really is. And I feel like a little girl who wanted to dig up the whole backyard, <laughs> I, I just love digging in God's word and finding scriptures to hold on to, to stand on, and also to share with other people who are struggling. You know, I mean, there's so many other people that I know that have, have real problems. And I just love being able to do that, and I just am so thankful, so thankful that I'm alive and that, you know, I mean, I'm living, basically living a normal life in spite of the fact that they test say <laughs> there are no antibodies, you know, it's just amazing, so praise God, yeah. praise God. Yeah. <laughs> Sharon was sharing. Uh, I happened to think about this lady in, when we were in Fort Worth, Texas. 
that was healed. She was blind from birth, and God healed her. Well, the interesting thing, when she went to the eye doctor, the doctor did an eye exam on her, and he goes, uh, ma'am, you're blind. And she goes, no, I'm not. I, I'm reading your eye chart. She goes, no, ma'am, you don't understand. Physiologically, you are blind. But she sees. And that's what Sharon's saying, is that I was just, two past scriptures came to my mind in relationship to, you know, it talks about Proverbs 4, you know, it talks about God's word being health to all our flesh. And also in, Rome, in Acts chapter 14, verse 3, where it says, I commend you to God in the word of his grace. And so uh, that's, what, that's what Sharon is declaring to us. To overcome is the declarations of God, pr pronouncing God's word over our lives and in the situations. I mean, I was here this morning at 5.30. I got here at 5.30, and I spent the first two hours doing nothing but confessing scripture for two hours. Just to get set my heart ready for this morning. And I'm not even preaching. But they are. Come here, Lens. It's awesome. Daughter of this church and this people. I call her overcomer. I love her. I'm proud of her. It's awesome to be up here this morning. Um, so Rick asked me to share on overcoming death. And my first thought when Rick asked me to share um, about overcoming death and loss and living life abundantly was, um, you know, the grace to overcome was, well, looking back over 2013, it was only by grace that Tristan and I survived. <laughs> it was only God's grace that I'm able to stand up here today. Um, there were points in time where I couldn't tangibly feel his grace or see his grace, but his grace brought me to a level of overcoming from point A to B to C throughout, you know, a whirlwind of 2013 and even today to um, really strengthen me and help me to fulfill the destiny that the Lord's put on my life. Um, it's no secret that 2013 was um, an incredibly hard year for me. Um, the loss of Brandon was um, something that nobody should ever have to go through in their entire life. Um, for me to be a single mom at 29 and have a two-year-old who's now three and a half, it was incredibly challenging. And for those of you with toddlers and children, you know that even sometimes doing it with two parents is hard. And so it was just like all of a sudden I found myself in this place where um, I was the weakest I had ever been in my entire life. I was, I'm a strong girl. I can do a lot. I can handle a lot, a lot of things. But I, I was, I was weak. Um, I felt like a shell of a person. I felt like a robot, just doing whatever I could to, to make it through the day with Tristan. I felt most of the time like I was underwater, like I was failing as a mom. All I could do was to put a smile on my face, to have joy for my son who didn't understand what was going on. And it was an incredibly hard year. Um, I 
Everyone told me that I was making progress forward and that they could see the Lord's work in my life. Everyone told me that I was moving forward and taking steps forward. I couldn't see it. Everyone around me could see the Lord's grace upon me and Tristan. Everyone around me said, you know, you and Tristan are doing awesome. You're moving forward. Keep going. Keep putting one foot in front of the other. But I couldn't see it with my own eyes. Um, And I just, I wanted to share an experience that I had um, after walking through all of 2013 and going through the holidays and the, new, and the new year, it, it hit me and the Brinkley family incredibly hard. And I, I just didn't know how, how I was going to make it. And at the beginning of the new year, I was here at church, and church had been an incredibly hard place for me to come back to and feel alive at. And I was standing up here worshiping, and it I can't remember exactly what was going on, but Amy started playing a song, um, We'll See You Again. Just in a little while, we will see you again in a little while. And that song kept on playing and playing, and I opened my eyes, and I felt like I saw Brandon standing in front of me in the spirit. Now, I hadn't had any dreams. I hadn't had any visions, nothing of Brandon. Everyone around me was having dreams, was having visions, and I hadn't gotten anything. It was a point of frustration for me, but when I opened my eyes, I saw Brandon standing in front of me. And he had his hand on my cheek, and he was praying for me. And it was the weirdest feeling because I saw him praying for me as if he was praying for one of my girlfriends, like Beth or Crystal. Like he would go up to them and pray for them just as a brother, you know, just loving on them and speaking into them. And he was standing in front of me, and he was praying for me. And my response in my heart wasn't, there's my husband. I love you. It wasn't. Um, beloved. It wasn't, uh, I miss you so much. It was um, that of a sister. I felt him, that he was coming to me as a brother in Christ, that he was praying for me as a sister in Christ. It wasn't a, um, you know, two or one kind of relationship. That had changed. That had, that, that had morphed into something as, bro- as Brandon coming down and praying for me as a brother. And I can tell you that that experience brought so much healing to my heart because he was praying for me to be me. He was praying for me to live life abundantly. He was praying for me to walk forward in the destiny. He was releasing me to be me. He was releasing me into the life that the Lord had called me into, and he was empowering me to to start walking forward and moving forward in life. And that moment brought so much healing to my heart. Um, And I can say that that was a huge turning point for me because um, I realized, really, that I had a life to live, that Tristan had a huge destiny, and that I played a huge role in his life, and that Brandon would want us to live life abundantly. He would want us to live life fully. He would want us to laugh. He would want us to enjoy life and have joy again. And he was looking down upon us and even surrounding us, interceding for us, that we might have life fully. And so that, that was a huge turning point in my life. And I can, can say that there was something like the scales came off of my eyes at that point, And I was able to stand up and brush the dust off and really say, like, this life that I have is worth living I didn't choose it, but we all will encounter various trials. But count it all joy for the, tri- the trials and the tribulations that we suffer for Christ's sake. So in 1 Corinthians, or 2 Corinthians 12, 9, 
And he has said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for power is perfected in weakness. I was able to really, like, know that and believe that again. I believed it before, but there was a reconnect where I could really know and grab a hold of that his grace would be sufficient for me to walk as a mother, to walk as, you know, a full-time speech therapist, to walk as a friend, to walk as a daughter, all of the things that he called me to. But I love 10 so much more than I love 9 because it says, Therefore, I am well content with weakness, with insults, with distresses, with persecutions, with difficulties for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then I am strong. And I just really um, love that verse because it's empowered me to be content in this season. It's given me a heart of contentment to enjoy this season. And I'm wearing this necklace that Tristan made for me at vacation um, Bible school this week. And he went, and he's three and a half years old now, and he was two when everything happened. And I can say that last year, if Tristan would have gone and made this necklace for me, that it would have been a point of pain. Um, It would have been a point of me seeing flourishing families, kids with daddies, um, it would have been a point of, of hurt that really just kind of rubbed it into the wound. But when Tristan brought this home for me on Wednesday, he was so proud to give it to me. He um, came up to me and said, Mommy, I made you a necklace. It's much beautiful. It's much beautiful. Wear it, wear it. It's much beautiful. And I could look at it, and it brought so much joy to my heart that um, I could see it, and I could wear this necklace and not think about what we've lost but think about what we've gained and to think about what the Lord has done in my heart to be content with where we're at and to smile at the future and know that his plans are good for me, to smile at the future and know that his plans to prosper me and Tristan and they're not to harm me, that I can laugh at the future and I can laugh at this necklace that Tristan made for me. And while it's a cute little three-year-old thing that I I probably won't wear again except for today, um... (laughs) I can, I can really take this and know that we're going to be okay, that we've overcome, that we're winning the battle, that even in my weakest days, that he is strong for me and for Tristan, that he's empowered Tristan to be who he is, full of life, that he's empowered me to have joy and contentment. And one of the verses that the Lord really showed me a while ago was 1 Timothy 6.6, 6, and it says, But godliness actually is a means of great gain when accompanied by contentment. So that, to me, tells me I'm winning because my heart is content right now in this season. I'm fully able to stand up on his character and his promises, and his promise to me is that he is the giver of life, not the destroyer or the taker. John 10.10, 10, that he came, he came so that I might have life And life abundantly. And his promise to me is abundant life, which means peace and joy. In 2013, I didn't have peace and joy. I had a lot of hurt. I had a lot of anger. There was a lot of contentment, contempt and accusation. But now, Tristan and I are finding peace and we're finding joy. And that means that we're walking, walking in the promises of God. When, when Brandon died, uh, 
things that Lindsay kept saying to me. Uh, Rick, you know, who am I now? Who am I? You know, I, I, I was all, you know, I was Brandon's wife in dwelling place. I said, no, you weren't. No, you weren't. You were you in dwelling place. And I, I just want to make, please, to make this announcement. Uh, it's, it's a year of overcoming for Lynn's. Uh, she's going to be taking over, heading up the freedom teams in Dwelling Place. How about that? Bev and I met with her, and she's sharing all this vision, and I'm going, go, girl, dude. So, I mean, whoever needs freedom will get it. I guarantee you that much. Bev, come here. I can't say enough about Bev. She's the one that keeps Paula and I... uh, in existence together, <laughs> and uh, but she's a she's a mom and a grandmother in this church, and we just want to. I asked her to teach about uh, overcoming loneliness as a as a widow. Uh, you know, when how long ago did seven years ago that Addison died, and but we've all watched the testimony of God in Bev's life, and so I'm going to shut up. thank Lindsay because she was the one that started me on this journey that I could even get up here and do this, okay? Because she just kept cheering me on, and I thought, Lindsay, you just don't understand. But anyway, here I am. Uh, Today, I just wanted to share a little bit about how the grace of God has changed my loneliness into a pathway to God, and it's been quite a journey. Uh, I did not always see it as a a pathway, uh, pathway. Uh, But in the past year, I have seen loneliness as a gift from God. I know that sounds strange, okay, because I would never said that before. A way for me to become more intimate with him and turn my focus on the plan for my life. In 2007, two of my best friends went to be with Jesus, my husband and my mother. (laughs) This is what we learned in day screen. This was the first time that I could remember being alone, and I did not do well. I would leave work, and I would drive around for hours because I didn't want to go home to an empty house with no one to greet me, to no one to talk to, to no one to sit down with, to dinner with, or just to be together, and that was really hard. I tried different things. Some of them probably not good, and uh, one day... I just knew that I needed to stop focusing on what I didn't have. You've heard this before, but this is truth. What I didn't have and start focusing on the things that I had had. And I had had a lot of things. So once again, the scripture, my grace is sufficient for you for my strength is made in weakness. And I was not very strong during that period. I look at Marcy (laughs) and many times she would say over and over to me, you're not alone, you're not alone, but it felt alone. I mean, and I could have a a million people around me and I still would feel alone. Um, During this season, God asked me to hug people until he told me to quit. And that was the start of the ministry of hugging people. And you all probably have all received that at one time or another. I don't let go until he tells me to stop. So sometimes... It can get a little difficult there and a little uncomfortable. But, you know, this year has been a season that he told me he was going to move me out of my comfort zone. And it was all going to be new, and, but it was going to be good because I was really going to get to really know him. 
And so um, he showed me that I was to love unconditionally, even if I got nothing in return. This year, God has shown me how my loneliness can be exchanged to being available for whatever God wanted to do. So it meant me, I pulled out of a lot of things, and I wasn't as active as I had been in, in doing. Uh, I changed my morning routine around to when I woke up in the morning. I said, okay, God, what are we doing today? And I just waited to see what he directed me into. Sometimes it was just to wait, be quiet, sit, you know, whatever. But a lot of times he would really put somebody on my heart to write a little note to of encouragement or to pray for them or to take them a meal or take them flowers or whatever he showed me to do, then that's what I would do. And I would come back home and I would just wait, see what he wanted me to do next. In that process, it's really uh, moved me out of my agenda and waiting for his. And that's been huge. Um, Recently, I went to Florida, some of you have known, that I visited the Agape Home, which is a program pretty much like uh, the Regent program. Uh, For women. women. And I truly uh, had, once again, the feeling of being very alone. I only knew one person there when I got there. And uh, it's just a different environment. And so I really had to fight against those lies again about being alone. So Jesus and I took a lot of walks. And I just relied on him to tell me what's next. And um, I really started loving on these women. That's all I know how to do is love them. So, you know, we built some relationships, and it was really a a really neat experience. Therefore, (laughs) I'm leaving in September to go back there to do whatever God wants me to do. I'm just going to be available, and uh, walking this out uh, is not going to be easy because I look around this room, and there's a lot of lives that, you know, I I just adore. I mean, you know, and some of you I know very little, but a lot of you I've had a lot of traveling time with. But I know my God, and I know that I'm not alone. And I know that he's going to fulfill every promise he has ever spoken over me. And he has prepared me for a moment like this. And so I can walk this out knowing that assurance that he's going to get me through this. But it was a process. It was truly a process. And I'm not always there. And I still have my moments, so I'm counting on all of (laughs) y'all to pray over me, through me, around me, and everything else. But I know that during these seven years, he has prepared me for moments like this, and loneliness has become a pathway to him. Y'all pray for me while she goes to Florida. Who's going to, you know, take care of me? <laughs> Jesus. He's, he's got to put something on that, that cell phone telling me where to go next. <laughs> and Bev, I will have a crown in heaven for she put up with me for the last how many years doing my schedule. And, and she said, well, Rick, I'll do it while I'm in Florida. I'm going, Bev, I would not wish that on you. But I don't know if you interpret what she said. She's going to be working in a re, uh, women's regen program in Moorhaven, Florida. And I know that she's going to love those women into, and you know, hug them and speak the word of God into them and just like she has done here. Rana, 
Come here. Before, uh, before Rhonda shares, I just want to say this, and I said this earlier. You know, dwelling places, the place in our, you know, God has given us honor to know and some of the men, most awesome men and women of God on the earth. And this woman sitting next to me is one of those people. Um, you know, she's a woman of class and dignity. Uh, you go into her house, her house is, you know, always looking nice. And she's got four kids, and she has people like, had people like me coming and staying. But, but not only that, though, the church that she has, that they have, meets in their house. Now, y'all know how it is to have a family of four. Seventeen, the oldest, the youngest is six. Uh, Sarah's 15. 17, 15, and nine, nine and six. And, and so, y- y'all know that, you know that. They got meetings on Friday night, Saturday night, in their, in their house. Got Emil? Yeah, five, five kids. Uh, Emil. <laughs> Five, I'm sorry, yeah. <laughs> We've been praying about marriage issues this week. <laughs> but, uh, but not only that, just the normal living life, uh, but in the midst of a war zone. I mean, uh, you know, one day, uh, um, uh, Rana here's a major explosion, shakes their building right below their house and looks down and seeing people whom she loved sitting there dying from an explosion, men and women. And uh, those whom their son, you know, fell in love with, uh, you know. And so not only that, rocket hit across the street, the building across their street, car bombs hitting uh, probably a good par three down the street twice. And so, you know, and then I see Rana come, and she comes and, and walks believing God in all those circumstances. And I go, that is a woman of faith. That's a woman of faith. And I, just, we're honored to have somebody like to share with us overcoming grace. And so, Rana, share what God would. Okay. I wrote a lot of notes that um, I kept them at home. God. I can't stick to notes. <laughs> and you put yourself in problem because you you've put a project of preacher here, and I don't think five minutes are enough. <laughs> and I, I really didn't know how to start, and many, many ideas and thoughts and stories came to my mind to share. It would take an hour. So um, an idea came to me to share some pictures of the church, my family, that would help me to go through stories. Okay, this is our church. This is my home, and some of were not there, too. Um, okay, this is my women uh, meeting, and I, I was tough enough to make an exam for the book we were studying, and they were in trouble. <laughs> but uh, they, they did very well, and there's another picture with gifts. Oh, no, let's skip this. We'll come back. Yes. So we were studying about righteousness, and I brought them those plants which uh, live in desert. And as the, the verse says, that we are like those 
plants. We are full with righteous, and they all passed the exam. They were great. <laughs> this is my el uh, eldest daughter. She's 17. She's praying with the people. And I mentioned those pictures because I want to say something about them. There's another picture for the second one. Sarah, she's 15. This is one of our meetings. And this is our dear leader, Hassan. He is a, a great man of God standing next to us. Yeah, this is the meeting on Friday morning. We have our meetings on Friday because Friday is the holiday. Friday and Saturday are the days off there. Okay, uh, that was another rewarding for the women. We went out and we have time there in a park uh, in our area. But while we were sitting, enjoying, and eating, and rejoicing the success of the exam, <laughs> missiles came down and started to fall. And they were so close to us. And they're like, I, I was just, did I? Was it the right idea to take them all out? Um, some of them said, oh, we are busy. Uh, actually, we have things to do on schedule, and they start to leave, but we were like, it was like 8 o'clock at night, and say, okay, you can leave, but actually, I didn't want to leave. I stayed, and some of the close friends said, are you leaving? I said, no. I said, there are missiles outside. And that time, I remember what my daughter said to me one time while she wanted to go to school, and I refused. I said, you are not going to school. It's, it's in the area she is going. Her school is in Damascus. We are living in sub-Damascus. And I said, it's full with missiles today. And she looked at me and said, Mom, I have important subjects to study, and I can't be absent. And I said, no. And she looked at me. She said, wherever I step, Mom, no missiles fall. She made me feel shy. <laughs> and I said, um... See your dad. <laughs> if he gives you the permission, fine. <laughs> so I can throw it on him, you know. <laughs> and there I said, this is Tamara and Sarah. And there I said, I'm here. No missiles fall down. So if you want to share and join, bring your husbands, because my husband's coming, and we're going to make it now come like men and women. And we will sit. And we spent time till 11 midnight. We enjoyed talking, playing, and everything was well. Uh, Tamar and Sarah are the greatest gift God have ever gave me. A um, few weeks ago, they should go to Jordan for a youth com conference. I should be with them. I couldn't. My mother had operation. I should stay with her. Uh, Jordan had a statement recently, according to politics issues, that no Syrian ha is uh, able to enter Jordan if he doesn't have residency visa. So we got an approval from the church who invited them and from the Ministry of Interior too, and a permission to get into Jordan. And when they arrived at Jordan Airport, they didn't allow them to get in. So you can imagine the disappointment. They were praying and praying and praying through, and they had in their heart that they will enter. And they, for a sudden, they were prevented too. 
So uh, they really had a very hard time. And they called me on Viber and like her, her Tamara's tears were like stalled in her eyes. She doesn't want to cry. But mom, what's going on? And to be honest, I didn't know what to say. A part of my heart was not feeling they have to go. But another part was saying, we are so much under pressure, we're tired, and I need to change. Let's give a try. And when, when she went there, I, I didn't know what to say because she had this, she was so optimistic, you know. And I said, okay, God, you have to deal with that. It's your turn, not mine. And I said, I remember something we always do. Emil taught us in the church, let's make a party. And that party is, you celebrate God, you go to his presence, you enjoy him, you worship him, you thank him, whatever the situation you are through. And I said, Tammy, why don't you make a party? <laughs> and she said, we already did. <laughs> and I said, okay, keep on, you and your sister, let's see what's going on. She and her sister were put in a room uh, they reserve people there till they get their planes back because there were many Syrians, two women and their children, and all were Muslims. And they're waiting for four days, and they are not yet uh, finding a place in a plane to, get, to go back. And the officer said to them, 7.30, that was 1 o'clock when they arrived, like 2 o'clock or 3 o'clock, he told them uh, they've been waiting, like 7.30 is your uh, flight. And they get into the room, they say they start to pray again. After that, they start to chat and talk with the women and uh, see their stories and laugh. And, and then the time for order some food came. An officer get in and the women told them, order some food because later on you will not have a chance to. And she looked at them, she said, we're leaving, 7.30. Women said, you're not going to leave. You won't find places. We are here for four days. And she just looked at them, she said, no. We are leaving at 7.30. And they told her, who is supporting you? Like, why are you saying that? Do you have anyone who's supporting you, like mediator or something? And she said, yes, my God. We are leaving at 7.30. And they start to laugh and say, okay, good. Like, thank God, <laughs> whatever, do what you want. You will regret later. 6.30 or something like that. The officer opened the door and said, Tamara and Sarah, Tarsha, come in with your things. And the people were, oh. <laughs> And she just jumped and said, yes. And she, she wanted to leave and she was looking at them. Oh, um, I'll pray for you. <laughs> and she ran away and she got on the flight. She went back to Lebanon. Uh, we traveled through Lebanon. We can't travel through Damascus airport and their bags were not there. Four days, their bags are lost. It's like, you can imagine how devil always want to put us under pressure and pressure and pressure. And they kept making parties every day <laughs> too. And then at the fourth day, their luggage came, but they were blessed with a lot of things there through our friends, with clothes, going out, chains like, they didn't go to the conference for four days, but they had a good time in Lebanon for four days. God is great. Man, um, maybe you could go through. Is there another, any more pictures? Okay, this is my son, Samuel, and this is my daughter, Joanna, nine. Samuel would go to, to exam and say, 
if he didn't do well, he said, Mom, I prayed. <laughs> he didn't listen. Or he didn't help me, but I prayed. And if he's going to go to exam, he, I would say, just remember what we studied. He said, I'll pray. <laughs> and he goes, I'm so glad and happy that I have those kids. And what I want to share a little bit is, uh, there's, a, there's another picture for, yes. This is uh, Valentine's Day. Can you imagine we are celebrating Valentine in the midst of the war? Like at midnight, 11 o'clock, I was thinking, tomorrow's Friday. Oh, my gosh, it's Valentine's Day. We don't care a lot for Valentine's I said, we should do something. Like, I will not leave this occasion goes like that without take the benefit of it. And I start to Facebook everybody and say, tomorrow morning, no one enter my home without wearing anything red-colored, anything. Like, if you have no red color, you cloth, you are not allowed to get in. And some of them came in, and they, we didn't see the note. I said, okay, you get a scarf. Okay, I have extra blouse. And I make them dress. And we have this picture together, and we were celebrating. Oh, I was blonde here. Can you see me next to Emil? <laughs> okay, uh, we were celebrating God's heart the love of Jesus in the midst of pain, horror, lust, bonds. Um, I had a dream when I was, I think, sixth grade or seventh grade. And this dream, God um, gave it to me three times in my life. Like I'm, I'm having an orphanage and a huge amount of kids, and I'm just hugging them, and my heart is on them that, oh, God, I want to teach them. I want to uh, let them know God the right way to live and not to be like the world. I didn't know anything about that that time when I, I was not a believer. I don't know even what is Christianity is because I, I, I grew up in Dubai, and all what I know is Islam. And my parents never go to church. Either in wedding, they go, or uh, what is the other one? In lost. In, if, if, yeah, funerals. Yeah. So they, they tell us nothing about God and Christ and, and Bible and any of this stuff. But this dream, I got it three times. And recently, I understood when I stand there and tell him, God, I'm tired. God, I can't stand it. There's no electricity for, we would stay for 16 hours with no electricity. We would stay minimum, minimum, when they're very nice to us. It would be like three hours lacking power. And, but it's never been like three hours, always extra. We would lack water, no water. I have gone through a month without shower, just using, what do you call it, wet. English is hard with your preaching, <laughs> Kathy. <laughs> so I was asking God, why? Why me? <laughs> why? I'm weak. I'm, I'm, I'm not that person who's able to do all these things. Um, yes, I organize well, but organizing is not what you need. You need a heart. And then God reminded me with a dream I had. And then he reminds me with those women that they keep chanting me, Rana, we miss you. Come back soon with all the gifts God's giving you. And I just, my heart, oh. To be honest, 
It is the first time I leave Damascus, and I wish I don't go back. I just wish I have some rest. Um, I am tired. I am tired. Emotionally, in my health, in my relation, in, with, even with my, the church, you, you stand. Sometimes you don't know what to say to people. Like All of them want to leave, want to travel. There's a six and a half million Syrian out of the country, either as refugees or they just escape. And I can't blame them. If you don't have a vision, if, if God doesn't want to put this on your heart, you can't be there. You can't be there at all. But I think with another, another two days with Rick, I'll be okay. Because <laughs> I passed to the half way with him, and I need another two days to finish it. And I'll be strong enough to go back, because I can't leave them. I can't leave my women. Most of them are older than me, by the way. Some of them are younger. But they deal with me as if I am the mother. And I know. I know what God is doing, why he put me there, because they need to understand and know the heart of God. And God has chosen us. And we will be there. We can't leave. So he's going to give us this grace to overcome the situation. He's going to give us the grace to stand in the places he wants us to be there. Because that is the place where people are running to see miracles, to see power, to see that God is real, it's, he's not fake, and to understand what is the difference between religious and real life, real Christianity, real Christ in each one of us. This is what Emil and I are going through. We are going through reality, building our relationship to be real to people, not to be fake, just grab it on their shoulders and tell them, read the Bible. I want to I live the verses in the Bible. That's why I'm here. That's why I would thank you so much, Rick and Paula, for all, all what you're seeing in our lives. They are our parents. Um, I forgot everything I was prepared. But thank you. Right. Yeah, told you. I just want to just sort of remind you what God has sort of given us today. Jim started off and just really setting the tone, just saying, not allowing the circumstances and situations in the world to define who we are. And knowing that when Jim was saying that about saying yes to God, it's not saying yes to the, and bowing to the circumstances of the world. No, saying yes to God is overcoming the world. And then sharing just, uh, King of Kid, God, just the word of God. Speaking the word of God into the situations and circumstances we face. And not speaking the circumstance, speak the word of God into our circumstances. And then Lindsay, just God just really choosing to live life. I just heard her saying, choosing to live life and being content and not in the midst of adverse circumstances. And then Bev, I just heard God just saying, just seeds. When you lack, so. That's what he's just saying. She Bev wakes up to, to live and to give. And she's going to another level where she's going to be giving to a lot of wounded and broken people. And then Rana, I just uh, the whole word was just a testament in of itself. But I did hear this, where grace is at, party. Have a party. 
That's, that, is, that is a woman of faith. Missiles are falling around you. Y'all can go if you like. We're going to have a party. That's real stuff, y'all. I mean, that's real stuff. Those are real missiles, by the way. That's not a movie. That's right. It's not a movie. And so I just want to close shop with this. And uh, you know, the testimonies of God that we've heard this morning of God's overcoming grace, I just pray that um, we allow every one of us to allow those seeds to plant into our souls to just allow the grace of God to come into our lives. Receive it. Receive it. Now, uh, Rhonda prophesied something. I know that's in relationship to herself, but in fact, that's why, you know, like she said, uh, she's just tired, and that's why I made her yesterday, made her and Paula go get a manicure and a pedicure and just said, no, you're going to go get, she's going to get pampered. And any of y'all give any other things, words for them to do that, just feel free. But, but I just feel some of you in here need some grace. Yeah. So we're just going to close the service. Uh, BJ, can you strum your guitar? We're just going to close. And, uh, but in doing that, we're just going to, I'm going to ask uh, Lindsay. No. Yeah, y'all. Y'all that spoke this morning, Ned, Sharon, would y'all come up? Jim? And uh, Emil, come on up. You got something you'll say, Emil? Uh, George? Can you speak English? Yes. Yeah, go ahead. Uh, I'm a lot of people who are Well, that's not English. That's <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, God, for what I listened this morning from people here. This courage us very well. Really, I have, uh, I'll try to gift you too. Where you encourage us, we need to encourage you too. So I have some word to you from God. Please, I can say it to him. Okay? But in Arabic. <laughs> So, need it very clear, need it very clear. Jim. شو حكيت يا جيم انت من قلب انت حكيت من قلبك من من احشائك من الاشياء اللي اختبرته. What you shared it was from your heart, from the depths of your heart. الله شاف الوقت اللي انت كنت عم تعاني فيه. And God saw the time where you was suffering. وكنت انت مصر انك تقول كل اشياء تعمل ما عندها الخير. But your heart all, all the time was like all things work together for my good. It was like just keep going on your tongues. I just feel like God is encouraging you to start writing down a book about your experience and how God like fulfilled all your needs during this time. And what I feel that you're going to hear a lot of stories from other people who go through the same experience. And what you write down will help a lot of people to go through their situation. So like your story will help a lot of other people who have this situation you're going through. 
I God declare over you that giving you vision and dreams to speak about the truth of the word of God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Sharon. Sharon. Where is Sharon? You have a heart and you know how to pray. You have heart to listen for people around you. Keep going. Keep going. Keep praying for other people. Yeah. Forsake. Intercede. Intercede. Just keep going. Linda. Lindsay. You are one of the people who love life and joy. I just saw you in field full of flowers. And you're just a yellow flower at the middle of this, all these beautiful flowers. And God say, you are my pride. Praise my name. Glorify my name. Because this joy that's come to your life will help and lead a lot of people around you. I'll take care of your kids. And I'll redeem you. Amen. Beth? You are bold enough. And at your mouth, there's prophetic words for a lot of people. Sometimes you feel like you have responsibility inside of you to take care and help others. But this responsibility, I put it at your life, to encourage and help a lot of people, to help. I hear this sentence again and again on my ears. You are strong and bold enough to help others. You are strong enough to help others. You are strong enough to help others. Rana. Rana. I love you. <laughs> I just heard one sentence the Lord saying the life is between your hands Amen Amen well, We just want to be here to pray Come on Sharon Brandon, y'all come up. Uh, Tom, Ingrid, Mark. Uh, we just want to pray. Anybody needs prayer, we're going to dismiss the service. And uh, I just, just want to agree that God's grace abundantly be released in people's lives. So let me pray. So Heavenly Father, I thank you for this time this morning, the testimonies of your goodness, Lord, the words of your grace. Lord, I pray in the name of Jesus, the seeds of your grace in every one of us. Lord, we thank you so much.
for the men and women to share this morning. God, and just the testimonies, Lord, where I literally just hear that Revelations chapter 12 passage. And they overcame him, Satan, by the word, the word of their testimony. The word of their testimony. And they have not lived the, loved their lives even unto death. Lord, so I just declare, Lord, victory, and we just pray grace in the name of Jesus. Amen. God bless. My most prayer will be up here.